You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. How many of you have been in marching band, either in high school or college? How many of you have done that before? Um, I didn't. Um, I'm musically just horrible, so I wasn't. But, you know, Jenny and I, when we lived in DeSoto, we were just right above the, the field. And so we heard the practices uh, all in the late summer, and we could hear those drums beating. And we understand it, you know, the, the, the beat of the drum is what keeps everybody in step. That's true even in the military. In the old days, that's how you stayed in formation. You stayed in step was with the beat of the drum. Now, How this connects with what I'm about to say to you is this. We are in a series in Genesis, and the purpose is to learn first things. But when you say things like that, like first principles, that's kind of philosophical, and you're like, what does that mean? Well, think of it this way. Just as when the drum beats, you kind of know when to step. God's word gives us the rhythm of our lives. It gives us that drum beat that helps us see how to walk the walk. Are you following me? Walk that walk. Now, here's the thing. When we send our kids to school or when they go out into the workplace, whatever that is, they're going to hear a different beat. And and we ask the question as the church, what can we do to make sure that our kids remain in the faith and remain strong and true in what they believe? Well, I'll tell you, um, I can't do it all. Luke can't do it all. But we can together establish a rhythm and a beat from God's word that our kids will never forget. And when they hear a beat that is different than what God's word says, they will immediately catch on and say, that's the beat of a different drummer. And I don't want to follow that. God's way, brothers and sisters, God's way is always better. And his drum beat leads us to the kingdom of heaven. And we want to make sure that we hold on to our faith and we can do that when we understand these first principles. So as we go through Genesis, of course, we we think about creation and fall. And as you just saw on the slides a minute ago on that little video, all those big picture theological elements, it's all true. But I want you to realize that ultimately what we're doing is we're helping set the pace Because this world is a crazy place, and we need the right pace. And so if you have your copy of Scripture this morning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. If you'll stand with me for just a moment as we stand upon the solid rock of God's Word, I'm going to repeat last week's, uh, some of the Scripture from last week's sermon, but we're we're going to focus mostly uh, on chapter 1, verse 27, and then chapter 2, um, our, our verses there beginning in verse 4. But let's, let's pick up here in verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. Key verse. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has 
the breath of life. Now, that's an interesting phrase there, the breath of life. Hold on to that. We're going to see it in chapter 2 again. I've given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Now, verse 4. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God, notice that's repeated again, the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Remember I said a moment ago, keep that in mind, that breath of life, okay? And the man became a living creature. Let's pray. Lord, it is good to be in your word today and to see these first things, first principles, and to see that we are made in your image. God, I pray that we will see that and the implications of it are profound. Lord, touch us in a profound way this morning and help us to find that rhythm of life and of truth that will guide us and our children in the way of righteousness. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, you know, when you're, when you're preaching sometimes, you make things more complicated than it should be, and I know I'm guilty of that, but I want to tell you, I mean this from the bottom of my heart, I just love it when we can say things in the most simple way. And when I think about what it means to be a part of a church, uh, we need to realize that it really does focus on love. And I want to start today with that because we're going to, we need to start and finish everything we say today with this understanding that because of what Christ has done for us on the cross, we have the ability to love God and love those made in the image of God. Now, let me put that in practical, like, church terms. What that means is we love God through worship, and then we love fellow human beings through ministry. That's pretty simple. We allow the love of God to fill us, and so the vertical component of that is a worship. That's why we come here to celebrate the good things that God has done for us, but we know that after we celebrate the good things that God has done for us, there should be a longing in our heart to love our neighbor and to share with them the beautiful truths of Scripture so that they could be worshipers of God, so that they can have that drumbeat moving in the right direction for the Lord. Now, I will say this, it sounds so simple, come and love God through worship and, and come and, and then go and do worship uh, uh, ministry and love people, love, 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 all sounds great, and then you run into the crude, rude, mean, uh, spirited world, and they don't really want to hear about Jesus, and they, they're not all that impressed with your good works and efforts, I get it, but I want you to realize that it is our job, church, to always remember that we are called to love people even when they are being like we used to be before Christ, and sometimes still do, when we're being unloving. Unloving is, is part of who we are sometimes, but notice this, the closest we're ever going to come to reflecting the image and likeness of God that we see there in Genesis 1, 26 and 27 are those moments when we are loving lost, hurting souls, when we are loving the unlovable, when we are reaching out to a lost and dying world, that is when I think we are at our best. The world has all of these ideas about origins. Of course, the, uh, there is a secular scientific perspective that tries to compete with this. Listen, it can't compete with truth because truth is truth. And we'll get to that here in a little bit, but I want you to know that, that like 
in the old world, there were all these myths. We touched on this last week, and they all had their, their different ideas of how the world came into being. But if you'll look at those old myths, whether they were from the ancient Near East or from the Western world, like the Greeks or the Romans, it always kind of puts human beings in this place where we're kind of less than we should be, really low. But I'm here to tell you, when we allow those kind of worldviews to creep in, that's when we are willing to hurt people or to, 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 to put people in a lower position, and that's never okay. There, every single person, regardless of race, color, or creed, regardless of uh, their physical abilities or disabilities, every single person is made in the image of God and worthy of the love of God, and any ideology that lessens anyone in any way is not of God. Amen? We need to stand up for those made in the image of God. And many of the ideas in the world, as we're going to see, do not lift up humans. In fact, they push them down. And we can begin to understand a couple of things here. How wonderful God made us and how terrible sometimes we act. And that second point, the terrible ways we act, we need to ask why. And in the weeks to come, God's word is going to give us some very clear answers as to why. But as we take our journey to the beginning today, what I want to do is lift you up and remind you that no matter who you are, you're here today and you are made in his image. So what does that mean? Well, our first point makes it pretty clear. We are priceless dust. We are priceless dust. Now I want you to think about that for just a moment because those two terms seem to to, to not work together. We need to realize that they actually do. Now, let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. If you've got your Bible there, just go ahead and turn it to the first chapter of the Bible and notice there that those early days of creation, those first five days of creation, you see the world coming into being and everything in the universe is established. But it's on the sixth day that we actually see God's ultimate plan is to not just create this amazing universe and then, oh, wow, take a look. But he creates human beings to be the pinnacle and the crown of that creative effort. We as human beings are told that we are that crowning achievement. We are the goal of creation. And verse 26 of that first chapter tells us that we're to have dominion over the world and even the universe to a certain extent. And that's, that's part of, of, of what we've been given from God. Now we know that that, uh, that dominion can be corrupted. And again, we'll talk about that here in just a moment. Now, while it is true that in the most literal kind of scientific sense, we're all just dust, notice this, we are dust that has the breath of God within us. You see, that's the difference maker. I highlighted it a moment ago, and I've got some more ways to maybe illustrate that for you, but I want you to think with me right now that you are, yes, made out of dust according to uh, the early chapters of Genesis. Yes, you will return to dust because of the fall, but ultimately you have the breath of God in you. This is key because God's word in these first two chapters of scripture set human beings up as created with so much potential There's a high position that humanity has in the original creation, but it's only then that we're able to realize how low humanity fell because of sin. So here it is. Only when we understand the high position that we were created are we able to see how low we really did fall when we chose sin as a collective human race through Adam and Eve. And our sins... Add to that chaos. So priceless dust, which is what humanity is, is mangled 
if you will, by rebellion and sin. So we'll talk more about that when we get into chapter 3, but we all know that something's wrong in the world. None of us are are, are so blind or or oblivious to think that the world is a perfect place. We know that there's pain and suffering here, and our hearts long for an answer as to why. That's why we have these first principles. Now, very quickly, in Genesis 2, if you want to turn over the page and look at chapter 2, verses 5 through 7, you see that the earth is still in its earliest form. It has been created, but it hasn't been terraformed. It's not been shifted and shaped as it needed to be. And human beings are called to be a necessary part of that creation to shape and form the earth. Chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 basically tell us that human beings were created by God as the pinnacle of creation. But verse 5 tells us to work the ground. So work and shaping uh, the, the world is part of what we're called to do. But another thing we need to catch is, is that we do have this image of God. Verses 26 and 27, remember, in chapter 1, remind us that we're made in the image of God. That God has put in the spirit of man the breath, his breath. We see that in Job 32.8. Proverbs 20, verse 27 says that God kind of puts a lamp inside of us. So it's amazing. God's word is telling us that we have the breath of the almighty God in us, that we have the light of God in us. And so why aren't we refreshing people? Why aren't we being a light? Well, we're not refreshing and we're not being a light to the world when we're caught up in our sins. And so how can we make sure we avoid that? We worship. We are dust made alive for the purpose of worship. In other words, God put breath in our lives so that we could worship God so that we could serve one another. Those are the reasons why God gave us life. But here's the deal. That image of God that is in us is blurred by sin. So if you think about it, those of us who have glasses, we know that we can, I can see when I get up in the morning, um, but you know, everything's a little blurry. I put my contacts in and then I'm able to see things more sharply. I think sin has that effect of just kind of blurring everything. We don't see the lines as well. And thus I think we are tempted to go outside of the lines. If we want to think about the lines being uh, what God has done for us. But sometimes when we sin, we kind of revert to, I don't know, kind of an animal like existence. Now, there are two words in Hebrew, and I don't want to get all, you know, nerdy here on you, but there's two words for breath um, in Hebrew. And in these two chapters, we see kind of a bouncing back and forth between the two. And there's kind of like the breath that we would say, like, you just breathe in your life. And then there's this breath like God breathes into you, okay? One is what every creature, right, our cats, our dogs, all the animals, they have breath. But then there's another kind of breath that you have. So... When you need help with illustrations, you go to Luke in the next gen department and you get balloons. It's basically what you do. So one of these balloons represents the breath that all animals have. The other balloon represents the breath that God puts in humans. And it's just a real simple illustration. Goodbye. That wasn't supposed to happen. Anyway, come up here. You went way down. This balloon was really bad. It went way, way down. Um, In... In this illustration, what I want you to see is the breath of God that is in you causes you or gives you the ability to rise up. This obviously has helium in it. It's lighter than the air in the room, thus it rises up. Listen, God created you in such a way that you can rise up above your animal instincts and be something that's beautiful and precious in the world. But when we don't allow the breath of God to fill us, well, we just go down. 
Now, as we think about all of the things that are going on in the world today and how so many people kind of have this lowest common denominator, these balloons have not cooperated all day, uh, this lowest common denominator, um, we realize that a lot of people, they're alive, they have the breath of life in them, but they do not have the breath of God. Christian, it is imperative for you to remember that you have the breath of God in you. And that makes it so that you should be one who lifts people up. If our lives are not lifting people up, then all we're doing is we're living the life of the animals. We're existing in the world, but we're not really living the life that God has for us. The breath that is said to be in Adam and Eve is in you. Now, I want to tell you this. The scientists of today like to say things like this. I've heard a couple of physicists say things like, Human beings are made out of the same matter as the stars. And I think they really mean well by doing that to say, oh, wow, you know, the one you love, they're a star, you know. But actually what they're saying is, is you're dead and inanimate, that you're just made out of materials, that you're the sum of your parts, all of these chemicals, right? And we know that the chemicals that are in us, all of these, these uh, chemicals that comprise the human body, but I know and you know that we are kind of more than just the physical. There's the breath of God in us. And so when the world wants to just make you out to be like everything else, that's not what God's word says. God's word says that you are not just the dust of stars, you are dust animated by the creator of the stars. You have the life and breath of the creator in you. That is a much higher view. That is a drumbeat our kids need to hear. Our kids need to hear that life is precious, that every race, every person in this world, again, no matter what they have going or not going for them in their lives, they are precious in God's sight. And we can only do that. We can only help people rise when we have a biblical worldview. Because if we just think about the universe, let me tell you something. The universe is cold and indifferent to your feelings. Nature doesn't care about how you feel. But the Lord God does care how you feel. He is concerned about you. He loves you. And he gave his own, God gave his only begotten son for you. That's how much you are loved. The world tells you that you're just matter and material, that you are a cosmic accident. But God's word says you are loved and cared for by God. I think that's a good message to share. And when the world starts telling us that we're narrow and bigoted, you know, we need to just come back and say, no, 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 we're lifting people up. You're the one tearing them down. You're trying to make it out like we're all just, you know, we have this short few decades in this world and then we're buried in the ground and that's it. There's that commercial, it's really sad, where the grandpa's talking to the kid and the kid says, grandpa, where do I go uh, when I die? And he says, into the ground. And that's meant to be a funny line because grandpa's just, you know, telling it like it is. Well, grandpa's wrong. Because we know that the body may go into the ground, but who you really are, the essence of who you are, is either going to be with God forever or separated from God forever. And commercials that make light of that are making light of how precious and sacred and special you are. We laugh at those commercials. We think that's kind of clever, but we need to understand that's a drumbeat that's different than the Bible's. The Bible is telling us something far more beautiful. Everybody you see is priceless even if they are dust. Even with sin in us, we are precious. And the resurrection power of Jesus makes it possible for the dust 
that is our flesh to live forever in the presence of God. Amen. Think about that. We are dust. But when we have Christ in our hearts, we have the promise of the resurrection and he will rise us up in the last day and we will live forever with him. That's what the Bible says. God does that for you because you are priceless and precious in his sight. Now, I want to be quick here with this idea of power and dominion. One of the things that we tend to do today in our culture, uh, one of those sacred cows of culture today is, is uh, climate change and kind of what's going on um, in the world. And, and, and we're not here today to be political. We're here today to be biblical. And let me just say this to you. We have power and dominion over creation, but we need to realize that creation is out of control. Now, some people want to blame that on, on humans and, you know, uh, carbon emissions and all those things. That's where the politics come in. Let me just say this, and, and some of you are going to think this is crazy, but I'm going to stick with it because I really don't care if you think I'm crazy. Just join, just join the club. I think the reason why there was a terrible storm in New Orleans last week, I think the reason why there were floods in New Jersey and New York this last week Part of the reason, if not the primary reason, is because when sin entered into the world, it caused chaos, not just in the hearts of human beings, but it brought chaos even into the environment, into the world. Things got out of control because sin, it infiltrates everything. Creation itself is groaning because of sin. The pinnacle of creation, Adam and Eve, chose to disobey God. When they did, they brought not just cancers into the world, but I think even environmental chaos. We need to understand that that's the reality here because in Hebrews 2.8, just a, an interesting thing, we see that not yet everything is in subjection to Christ. And what that means is Christ is still King of kings and Lord of lords, but because of sin, there's a bit of chaos going on. He's allowing that because it's a reminder of, of we're, not in the, we're not in the garden anymore. I don't think there would have been tornadoes and hurricanes in the Garden of Eden. There, there was and is gar these, these terrible things that happen in our gardens today because the world is, in a sense, kind of out of control We've not had the dominion that we should have. And I believe that the more we sin, brothers and sisters, the more we lose dominion. God's word tells us that we are to have dominion, which is loving rule and stewardship and compassion over the environment. Not exploitive uh, in any way, but we are to domineer over the environment. But we know that the environment so often is domineering us. It's another Another part of the fall. Now, again, why am I saying this? It's because the drumbeat. What do you believe? What, what, what do you think is causing these things? And people have their, their reasons today. Uh, and the environmentalists, uh, they're worried about the environment, and all, we all should be. But they have their reasons, and they have their ideas. I think God's word gives us these answers, too. We just need to make sure that we are stepping to the beat of God's drum. And we need to care for this creation. We need to be uh, careful because sin leads to selfishness that leads to the destruction of the environment and life itself. And the only way that we can have the right kind of attitude towards God's creation is when we love God and we love people and we determine that we're going to make decisions that honor God's creation but really honor uh, those around us, that we're caring for us around us. Sin robs us of our God-given power and dominion. And so, as always, when we preach today and any other day, 
turn from your sins. Let Christ have power and dominion over your life. And that brings us to this idea. God's way. Now notice this. God's way is very good. Last week it was a pleasure to share with you in chapter 1. That word for good in Hebrew means beautiful. That God created the heavens and the earth and he declares it all beautiful. But if you'll remember, my favorite part last week was I could tell you that when he created you, he said very beautiful. And that, that's what I wanted to build on today is we, we said last week that we are very beautiful. So today I'm showing you why. You have the breath of God in you. You are made in his image. You're not just beautiful in an aesthetic sense like you go see a piece of artwork at a museum or something like that. But you're beautiful in the most practical way. You've been created by God. You have breath in your lungs. You have eternity in your hearts. Very beautiful. But know this. God was very specific now we're going to go back to that drum beat. Notice in chapter 1, verse 24, we are told that there is a specific way things are created after its own kind. If we've studied anything uh, similar to, to, to you know, genetics and things of that nature, we kind of understand how that works, how, how genetics works and how, how different species are able to move forward um, after its own kind is an important concept. But also verse 27, and he created them male and female. Now I want to pause here for just a moment because, and I want to be careful with my language, but Genesis 1 and 2 uh, do provide for us this ultimate view of creation. And when we step away from these basic truths that the Bible tells us about creation, we open up chaos. We enter into a, a cacophony of drum beats and we don't know where to go. One of the most um, disturbing things I see with our little ones is they're hearing all these messages that are, seem to contradict basic biology, this basic idea that God created them male and female. And we understand that that, that causes confusion and it's difficult. Notice again, Genesis 1:27 is a clear expression of God's intention. He created them male and female. A first thing, a primary thing, is this biological reality. And it's this very biological reality that is being questioned today. We need to understand that by questioning, questioning something so basic and so foundational, our culture is tearing itself apart and truly confused in terms of what it means to be a human being. And when we stand firmly on a passage like this, we're immediately, as Christians, called bigots. So let me just say this. My purpose this morning is to say to you that all we're trying to do is to provide a clear understanding of biblical creation. We are trying to provide a clear path to what God's word says and what God's will is for our lives. We're not here to say that we love anybody less. In fact, we love all people with the love that Christ first loved us with. We love people and we love them deeply, but we also love them enough to say God's commands and directives all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2 are good enough for us today. They are reality. They are truth. And when we kick and scream against the truth, we, 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 we're not doing anybody any favors. So let me say this. Some people will say, well, Pastor, I'm here today and I, I like the, the message of the gospel and of the cross. I'm all in there, 
but I'm just one of these people who just believes the Old Testament maybe doesn't have the same authority. Well, listen, Jesus had a different view than you, and you need to know this. Jesus said, and those of you, how many of you are in all-in discipleship? Quite a few of you, right? You've probably memorized this passage, at least some of it. Matthew 5, if you have your Bible. Let me just show you what Jesus says about this. Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 17, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Notice that. Fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, so that's kind of like the dot on an I, if you will, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Now notice this. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I want you to notice in those verses, in verses uh, 19, let's see here, 18 and 19, 19 and 20, I think, notice it keeps saying the word teaches. One of our jobs as Christian parents and also as pastors and leaders is to provide that drumbeat that we step to. And notice what it says. Jesus is telling us that the law and the prophets, that we have to stand on the law and the prophets. And the law and the prophets, uh, the law is the books of Moses. And that's what we are leaning into here. Jesus never questions the creation account. He never corrects it. He never says there's another way. We need to receive it. So here's the question. Did God speak to us through his word? Has God spoken? Do we, do we as a church believe that God's word is what we want to build our lives on? Amen? Amen? That's what we want. If God's word is providing clarity here, then it behooves us to march to this beat. And I know the world has differing opinions, and they're entitled to those differing opinions. But you'll notice the world's opinions change all the time. God's word is a rock and an anchor that never changes. And if we will build our lives on that, we're not here to be argumentative, but we are here to be resolute. That at Ridgecrest Baptist Church, we believe firmly in the teachings of the word of God, and we put our faith in it more than we do the opinions of the current period of history. I've read enough history to know that people have been wrong many times. But when God's people anchor themselves to the word of God, they're always right where they need to be. I'd like to finish where we started. I like simple truth. I like it when there's a simple application. We're told to love God and to love those made in the image of God. It's pretty straightforward. As I said earlier, we love God through Christian worship and we love fellow human beings through Christian ministry. But the key here is, is that we must love those who are unloving and care for those who don't care for anything we have to say. The love of the church cannot go up or down depending on how the culture thinks about us. Our love must be consistent. We must continue to step to the beat of that drum that God has given us from the very beginning. And if we'll step to that beat, we will provide a clear path for our children. If you're worried about what your your children are going to think or believe in 20 years, the only thing I can tell you is do your best to immerse them in a truth that is deeper than any other truth in the world. 
Let them hear in, in your words. Let them hear in the words they hear at Sunday school and church. Let them hear the words of God again and again, over and over, because those words will provide them with the right pace and the right direction to find the God who loves them. You are made in the image of God. He loves you. Every person in this room who is a professing Christian, every single one of them, every single one of us, we were lost in our sins. We were in rebellion against God. But at one point, the Holy Spirit opened our eyes to see that we could rise up if we would let Christ in, if we would receive him. And that's the difference maker. That's what changes everything. That's what makes it possible for us to truly embrace who we are as priceless dust. That's how we can become image bearers. That's how we can truly get dominion over a crazy world and a crazy life. We do that when Christ is our Lord. And I want to invite you right now to receive the message of the gospel, the message that God loves you and that you can love God and love those around you. It doesn't get any better than that. Come to him. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit ridgecrestbaptist.org.